Hi, everyone, and welcome to Shortcomings, a Sex and City podcast where we are shooting the shit about every episode of the original show, the two movies, and now the next chapter. And just like that, I am your host, Samantha Bush, and of course, I'm joined by Chris Lewis. Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? I'm great. I'm feeling good. I've had some coffee. We're recording so early. I haven't had any coffee. I had a swig of ginger ale. Oh, I love a ginger ale. I love a ginger ale. I can't lie. I love the bubbles. Um, But no, I don't really make coffee in my home. So because I haven't left it yet, because it is 9 a.m., I haven't had my quad almond milk latte. The episode we're discussing comes out at 3 a.m. And that's when I watched it. We are turning it around quick. And if you guys get this by 3 p.m., that's a note to you, Brian, producer. (laughs) Practice That's twelve hours, baby. Like, who's getting me. who's getting you stuff like that? Not no one but us. No, the no number one. one Sex in the City podcast. <laughs> Do you want to tell the listeners what you told me this week? I have decided that we can determine our own fate, and this is the number one Sex in the City podcast. If we I'm don't believe in ourselves, who will? Exactly. I'm all about manifestation. We are the number one Sex in the City podcast. We, I mean, you guys, I'm getting great feedback on the episode. And Oh, I, yeah. Thank you so much to everyone who was so yeah, nice to reach out so about um, the first and just like that episode, who's going back and listening to the others. Yeah. So great. You guys are so lovely to reach out and always and share on Instagram. Everyone's so nice who listens to this. And then a yeah. few stray souls. <laughs> just a, just, a, just a few. <laughs> I I mean, it was tough having people I that are near and dear to my heart tell me their thoughts on the first two episodes, and I didn't agree with them. And I was like, I can't take that on. I was in New York this past weekend with a dear friend. I hope she's not listening. And I simply said, we can't talk about this anymore. I said that to my friend too. I said we can't discuss. So I'm so glad you and I are aligned. But I've found the response to the first two episodes. You know, those who love it, I think it has been so kind and wonderful. I feel like the person who summed up how I feel about it the most is um June Diane Raphael on her podcast, The Deep Dive, and she just said this was made with love. Oh, it was, and that's exactly how I feel. And. I know that people have qualms and concerns, and some people, I think, feel really personally almost attacked by the decisions made in the first two episodes, not only to kill Big, but I've seen even more ire around what they're doing with Miranda. People are not happy. a lot. People are pissed. And it's just tough when I love something so much. I mean, I love it. Like I love I it. Love I was genuinely it. like titillated and excited to watch it this morning. I was too. I my eyes opened up at five thirty in the morning, and I was like, "Let's go, baby." My hand was still on the remote. <laughs> I need it. I literally slept with my laptop in my bed. Yes, yeah, so and just rolled over and opened it up. We are seeing the response. Thank you all for reaching out, and thank you all. I think for a lot of people who said they didn't like it, but still listened to us. And that they found something to enjoy in our enjoyment of it, which really does mean a lot. And I think you're right. I have many problems with this episode we're going to discuss today. But I also still liked it. Yeah. It's just new story. It's great. It, that's It's new story with familiar characters. And that's what I love so much about it. And it's like... I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I like that we knew that Big was going to die but now, now we're in like who knows territory. Oh, one thing, one thing. What are your thoughts on the Peloton response? I'm not a big fan of corporate synergy. So the fact that the <laughs> devils of HBO Max and Peloton got together to hoodwink us into thinking they did this in 24 hours, it's like, fuck off, guys. I also, I don't like this idea that Ryan Reynolds is now like the epitome of comedy for people. No, I didn't understand. Why is Ryan Reynolds involved in this at all? Did he direct the commercial? I think so. I think like his company or something. Does he own Peloton? Ryan Reynolds is like big in like the TV making world. I don't know. I'll never forgive him and Blake Lively for getting married on a plantation. I also like, he to me is Bradley Cooper's tethered and I don't even like Bradley Cooper that much. Uh Uh-huh. 
So I really don't have any space or caring for him. Yeah. Although I, just I thought did it like was Blake in that movie where she wore a lot of pantsuits. You know what I'm talking about? With oh, Anna Kendrick? The, with Anna Kendrick, the, um, yes. I know exactly and what you're talking Reynolds, about. that movie was Can't- great. People did not like it and I loved it. People that loved it, like, loved it. Tonal shifts in it are wild. Like, one second it's a drama. Sometimes it's a comedy. All of a sudden they're down on, like, the bayou. And it's like an old Southern Tennessee Williams play. Then it's like a wacky comedy. It's... What are we here to discuss? He doesn't doesn't know the name of the movie. So just Google Hmm. all of that. Unclear on what it's um, called. A Simple Favor. Oh, a simple favor. The one thing I have to say that I found really, really funny in the whole Peloton response is I don't know if you read like some of their press releases, but they, the way that they were discussing Big as if he was not a fictional character, they were like, he smoked cigars and he ate steak. Oh, yeah. When they were like, um, you should really be concerned with Big's diet, not him. I'm like, I- I'm not concerned with anything. He's fictional and guys he died because he had to it's like this whole conversation of like whether or not carrie should call 911 no she shouldn't he had to die he had to die for storyline like what is wrong with all everyone i don't understand do you all have worms for brains like it will it's the yeah i mean i don't know let's not let's not get into the hateration yeah that's true but i do also want to make a quick suggestion that everyone start listening to the second best sex in the city podcast (laughs) because this is the first Mm-hmm. And just like that, the writer's room. So it's Michael Patrick King and several writers. The first episode, it was the two original writers and then, then one of the new ones, Samantha Irby, discussing the first two episodes. And I thought it was a great, fun conversation. Not as fun as ours. <laughs> and I'd love to be a guest. Really, really fun. And he described his pitch for the show to HBO Max was that viewers should feel like they ran into Carrie Bradshaw on the street and then were able to say to their friends, oh, do you know who I saw? I saw Carrie Bradshaw. She looked fabulous. And that's kind of, to me, how this whole thing feels. Yeah. It's like, oh, wait, I just we're just seeing our friends again. Yeah, I loved it. And I, I gotta say, the way these women look, they look amazing. And I refuse to take any anything like i i'm so glad kristen davis you sent me that she's like just coming out at people which is she's like fuck you i like what is wrong with everyone and by the way she looks amazing yes has she had work done absolutely but as someone who's probably staring down the barrel of 33 and will be getting a shit ton of botox probably in the next three months everyone needs to shut the fuck up because i'm gonna look worse than kristen davis in two days here's what pisses me off about that is like so many women get plastic surgery that are in movies and like you like i but it's because it's these women people are especially hard on them and it's very weird i know it's like you and i being such housewives fans it's like if kristen davis was on housewives we would be like she's the most beautiful wonderful woman in the entire world because <laughs> i think we're just used to what women with plastic surgery look yeah. like and by the way it's fine and if you're really upset at the fact that she had to get plastic surgery it's not her fault. Blame the patriarchy. Thank you. Also, I have to say, I did think it was refreshing to see like how Sarah Jessica Parker is just kind of aging naturally. And like she looks beautiful. And, you know, I had someone DM me and they were like, I wanted to like it, but they are just all so old. And I said, go fuck yourself. I mean, the reviews are just as bad as the original reviews we talked about low those many weeks ago yeah it's disgusting well it's funny because it's like people look you know they talk about that one reviewer that we discussed on like the very first episode from the washington post who like talked about carrie's looks and whatever and then but everyone's doing that still like so why does everyone think that they're we've moved so far past that it's like just because someone's not getting paid for their opinions like it's still thousands of people on twitter and Instagram everyone should just enjoy it and yeah if you have an instinct to say anything about one of the women's looks don't or just don't say it to me D- don't say it at all don't yeah. put it on the internet because you don't yeah. know who's looking at your shit the last thing before we get into the episode i did just want to talk about and i'd love for them both to come to this podcast all three of them honestly michael patrick king sarah jessica parker and candace bushnell what's going on with them right now because mpk and SJP are going against CB. Okay? They are. The girls are fighting. The girls are fighting. 
They are Michael Patrick King and Sarah Jessica are on a press tour, obviously, and every single time they are asked about the diversity, equity, and inclusion issues in this the original show, they're like, "That's the book, baby. We had nothing to do with that. We opened the books on nothing but white people, and that's who we cast." And it's like, "Well, that's not true. I've read the book. I've read the original columns. Nowhere is race really talked about. No, you could have obviously presume we're on the Upper West East Side." It's going to be white monsters. But that's the show's fault. They didn't have to take that further. They could have cast whoever they wanted. But they didn't, and they should just own it and say, the original show is a product of its time, and this one is a product of its time. Because, by the way, we're going to look back on these episodes in 20 years, and there'll be problems in it. There are problems now. Yeah. (sighs) But again, I'd love all three of them to come on the show, please. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did slide into Candace's DMs last week. And <sighs> Seems ask she her doesn't really understand question. how the internet works. <laughs> well, I did, uh, I did ask her a very important question, and I have yet to hear back. But oh. has she I at least ask... read it? No. All right. Well, um, let's hope you get the at least a red. Do you want to know what the question was? Oh yeah, sure. Okay, I asked her if Susan Sharon was based off Dorinda Medley. Well, why don't you ask Dorinda that? I feel she'd answer you much. Oh, I quickly. do have her phone number. Yeah, would you like to patch her in? Yeah, <laughs> dial her in. Okay, I definitely will do that, and that will be for next. Let's week. just have Hopefully Dorinda we'll drop in for an app. <laughs> All right, should we get into the episode? Yes, please. I wanted to start by talking about Willie Garson because this is his last appearance as Stanford Blatch. What did you think of his overall return in this? I'm confused by it. I think he is great and funny. He's great. He's a great actor. He's funny. He's making me laugh. Yes. But it does feel a little, and obviously, right, they dropped him in, and there's a story being built there. I can sense it in these first three episodes. Yeah. And then due to his death, I think that story is now being dropped, obviously, because he's only in these three. And so I do, a part of me wishes they decided to deal with his death in these 10 episodes. And I know that might be dark because we started with a death and they didn't write to that. But now I feel we're mid a story. Yeah, there's something very unfinished about what's going on with Stanford. And I don't know if like in the future episodes, they'll call back to Stanford and like say where he is or what he's doing. And he just kind of is in their world, but just not on camera. But it made me kind of sad because they made him come off a little, uh, not the best. I think he was pretty tough in the second one. This one, I actually liked him a lot more. He made me laugh. At when he was talking with Charlotte. And we'll get into like his thing with Charlotte when we discuss her, but I just, I like kind of where they were going, and obviously they could not control the fact that he passed away, and so they're stuck in the middle here. But I just, I hope that they, if this show comes back for season two, which I'm sure it will, mostly because all of you are helping it come back, because even if you don't like it, you're tweeting about it, Mm -hmm. that they find a way to bring some real closure there, because where we end with Stanford in this episode does not feel like closure at all. At all. At all. Should we get into the girls? Yes. Let's start with Charlotte, who's... I just have to say, one of my problems with Charlotte so far in this kind of new chapter is is that her story is so internal. There's not a lot of action in what she's going through. It's not... She's not making decisions or choices that have ramifications. Things are happening around her, and we are meant to intuit how she feels about it. And it feels not so satisfying, even though I think Kristen Davis is doing really great work. But I think she is more of a um, demonstrative actress than a kind of slow burn, thoughtful one. So really, this whole episode, we've got Charlotte dealing with Rose exploring her new identity or what her identity is, we should say, and not feeling comfortable being a girl. What did you think of the scene in the bedroom with the girls? I didn't expect them to be sharing a room. I didn't either. Just because I I think they live in a classic four. And so there are four bedrooms in that apartment. I don't know. Or a classic six, even. I feel like it's a Although I think it's six six. rooms, not six bedrooms. Oh. Either way, I didn't expect them to share a room like that. Um, But I thought the scene in the bedroom with Rose and Lily, I thought it was a very powerful scene, but also like, 
I felt Charlotte was very relatable in that situation, like where she was just like, oh, this is the conversation that we're having. Okay. Like she wasn't upset. She didn't have any sort of like negative reaction. I think her reaction is like that of very like real. No, it's a little bit more nuanced and honest and kind than you would imagine Charlotte would be. I see. I disagree. I think Charlotte's like very open for Minded. someone who's so traditional, I feel like there but would be yeah. there would be a certain level of discomfort. Hesitancy? Well, she's probably uncomfortable because she also doesn't want to say the wrong thing, and she Absolutely, doesn't want to do the wrong thing. But also a little discomfort with this idea that my daughter's going to be different. Yes, that they she they can't keep up with the Joneses with a gender non-conforming child. If yeah. that's the story where we're going, yeah, I I don't know, I I. I, there's a part of me that feels really sad for Charlotte in this whole new world that we're living in because I feel she's being kind of on the outs with Miranda and Carrie. Like oh, there's something yeah. going on with Carrie and Charlotte and it's like they're not going there yet. Yeah. Before we get into that, I did okay. want to say I give Charlotte a lot of props for this. I love the scene with Anthony. Last night, Rose told me that she does not want to be called a girl anymore doesn't feel like a girl. Uh-huh. She's a kid. Ignore it. I'm her mother. I can't ignore it. Says who? Everyone. Well, fuck everyone. When she was six, she told you she was a dog. Is she a dog now? No. But I can't just ignore this. And when she was six, I put down a bowl of water on the floor for a week. You're too indulgent. So, you don't think that this is something? Well, who knows? When I was little, I wanted to be Tinkerbell. Did my mother cut holes in my school blazer for my wings? No. I don't know that I really need Anthony's bread company. I'm obsessed with it. Really? I the love minute it. I, I thought I was like, so oh, funny. fuck. This, this, I forgot about this. Because we am I to hot man bakery. I love it. I think it's funny. It's so Anthony. And I think it's just a little comedy, a little cheesy. Is it, he was a wedding designer. I know, but he was in quarantine and he probably became obsessed with making bread like everyone else and was like, I'm going to get hot men to deliver it. Okay, And but I think it's cheesy. I think it's funny. I think it's like- In a post-COVID world, do you know how many weddings there are? He should be busy as hell planning weddings, not, not baking bread. Maybe that's not what he wants to do anymore. I, also, I don't know. I thought it was funny. This was not giving me Steve as um, deaf. I was not laughing. Oh. I but we'll get, so yeah, oh, we'll get to Steve in a second. Yeah, we'll get to Steve. I have things to say. I also, in the scene at the bakery, I thought it was a little strange that Rose doesn't know what a hand job is. Why? She's what, 12? I didn't know what that was. She's 12 in New York City, full use of the internet, and capable of saying, I don't feel comfortable with my gender identity. I think she knows what a hand job is. I, we can, I mean, so I don't you know. knew what a hand job was when you were 12. Me? Everybody's given them. Not at 12, but they're like, you know. (laughs) You know. I just thought, like, this is a, this is a, you know, this girl's been around. She's seen things. This isn't the last we see of Anthony, though, right? No, because we know at least at some point his bakery guy is going to have to carry, carry up some stairs. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in this show. I'm excited. (laughs) Um, But I really did. I love this scene with Anthony. I think it is very truthful that she would go to her queer friend to ask about this. And then also that he basically just says, you don't know anything. So just support her for now and let her figure it out. But he says it all, I think, in the perfectly kind of Anthony way that there's such kindness and truth in what he's saying, but it's wrapped up in nonsense and shut up, Shaw, and jokes. I know someone like that. (laughs) But it's nice. I love it. Yeah. I, I just thought it was such a sweet scene to remind you why they're friends. And then in terms of her kind of being on the outs with Carrie and Miranda. Yeah. I think you really start to see that in the scene with Stanford when they're waiting for lunch. This mm-hmm. idea that she's even uncomfortable with like allowing a fourth person in because she's kind of holding on to the spot of third. Yeah. And then I really did start to think. It must be so much more difficult if there are three of them instead of four. When you have, it is so much easier for there to be two distinct best friends in a larger group. Mm-hmm. But if you have Carrie and Miranda who are besties, and that has been seen throughout 
all of the show. Now it's really tough. It's got to be really tough to not have a fourth person mm-hmm. to like roll your eyes at or like talk to when they get into their Carrie and Miranda land. Yeah. I felt sad for her. And then in the car, the car scene with them talking about Miranda was, I think I texted you. I was like, Dizzy Carrie's back. Oh, she's we'll back get to in that, full though. effect. We'll get, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, but it's Dizzy with a capital. All In fact, it's all caps. All Dizzy. caps. It's not even capital D. It's Bold. all caps. The other thing I just wanted to say is how long has Samantha been gone? You know, time in this show has never been my favorite. Is she been right. gone for a few months, weeks, oh, years? I'm thinking a year plus. But right, we just don't know. They seem pretty right. comfortable with her being gone, but it would mm-hmm. be nice to know how long she's been gone because I think it would give some context to this rift we're feeling. Yeah, maybe we'll find out. Maybe they'll and mention it. It's really tough. I did, in terms of Stanford and Charlotte, I did also think it was interesting that he says, you are uncomfortable with me in this group. You don't think of me as a part of the four core. Yeah. And you talked about this on the podcast. You brought Carrie this up. treats him that way. <laughs> right. And I thought it was funny how he was like, I talk about this in therapy. And Charlotte was like, you talk about me when you're in therapy? But then I did wonder, because he's married to Charlotte's, one of Charlotte's best friends, has Charlotte, are we to intuit that Charlotte has said something to Anthony and Anthony shared that with Stanford? Because he should really be focused on how Carrie treats him, which is like, shit, please go and see the episode where she invites them to Alexander Petrotsky's house. And then she goes, oh, buddy, like you're in the second round. Yeah, like, no. I'll never get over it. But I like that they kind of address the fact that Stanford is was remember in the early seasons you and i talked about this like he was so close with carrie we saw a lot more of him and then as the seasons went on he became sort of like on the outside of the group so it's i'm glad that they talked about that yeah he be, he went from like bestie bestie but even just right on like the call sheet i felt like he was like recurring and then he mm-hmm. went to just guest star yeah pretty much and we love him. We'll miss you, Stanford Blatch. Yeah, rest in peace. I look forward to seeing how they take all of this on, and I'm sure that it's going to be devastating in season two of and Just Like That. Now, speaking of devastating, Miranda, what do you want to talk about first? Her burgeoning sexuality or her alcoholism? Uh, let's talk about alcoholism, because I feel like that comes first. <laughs> in, the, I, in the episode, I mean, it comes first in the episode. You, I, I, I did not think you wanted to talk about it <laughs> like as a concept. Or as a societal problem that we could use more help with? Or as a cultural issue? It, okay. First of all, can I just say, Brady is a fucking demon. And who is this girlfriend? I was like, <laughs> The girlfriend was making beat, me laugh. I would beat the shit out of them. Are you kidding me? When, when she was Lisa just like, said, um, you need milk for your old ass bones. I would be like, get out of my house. <laughs> it would almost bitch. be helpful if we did learn she had like a bad family and that Steve and Miranda were being kind. But they're like too into this. I did have to think like, right, they have Brady allowing him basically to live with his girlfriend and fuck in their home. I wonder if we're moving towards a storyline in which we see a discrepancy in the parenting between Miranda and Charlotte and Lily's getting up to stuff, but we're not seeing it because Lily would never do that in the home. Right. I'd like to see Lily get into these streets. (laughs) You know, I would too. With a little cupcake purse, just taking it to the club. I would love like if Miranda saw like Lily out with someone. Or if she like opens Brady's room and Lily's random cowboy like last episode. (laughs) Still the most upsetting thing we've ever seen in all of Sex and City. It was was so jarring. To open on that aquarium, (sighs) that exposed brick wall aquarium and hearing ride me cowboy. Right after Big's death, like there was no pause. I was like, well. Disgusting disgusting i think honestly that's what everyone should be upset about it shouldn't be that big was dying or dead or whatever it should be the fact that like there was no breath between one that and then brady's ride me cowboy headboard banging so in terms of miranda struggling with alcoholism a she's Mm -hmm. drinking everything left and right last two weeks she was drinking (laughs) chebless this week she's ordering like cabernet 
Now she's drinking Tito's out of minis. When I saw those Tito's bottles, I I didn't. That's when I was like, okay, we're really not be we're really not being subtle with this. If she's keeping Tito's in her backpack, shooters, Tito's shooters in her backpack. (laughs) My phone is about to die. You don't have a charger on you, do you? Oh yeah. Oh, somewhere in there. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You're reading half of this. Okay. So, a lot of textbooks in there. Is it stressful being a student again? Now that I know everyone's pronouns? No. You you and Steve, how, how, how are things? The same. I also want to discuss the fact that Miranda's putting chia seeds on ice cream. Well, I think that's a normal topping. Is it? Yeah, I've seen it at a pink berry was actually really cute of like how they have this like ritual i thought that that was yes i thought it was adorable i was less than enthused to find they haven't had sex in years when i heard that s i was like "Uh uh-oh no i i had to like rewind i hit backspace backspace i was like wait years so miranda i mean if you really think about it we have three things kind of going on with her right And I think we have to see them all as interrelated. She's exploring this new career. She's in a clear and obvious rut in her relationship with Steve. And she's exploring her a new kind of idea. We are meant to think that she is on on a road to exploring her idea of sexuality. Yes. And in the confluence of all of that is her drinking too much. I mean, there's a lot going on. We could peel one of those storylines to Charlotte, I think. But I also think that this is a very real issue that a lot of women face that are in their 50s and 60s and i'm just saying what i find really interesting is that are you about to throw your mom under the bus here my mom (laughs) i don't know it just seemed like you were about to get personal like i know a woman i was like (laughs) no oh my god my mom's not a big drinker but the thing with miranda that i find really interesting is she doesn't even describe her relationship with steve to me as she's in a rut it sounds like her and Steve are like completely okay. Well, I think that that's the difference between sex. the first movie and this story. Right. Like the she first movie even we were meant him. to see that Steve is frustrated and wanting more from Miranda. That does not excuse his behavior, in my opinion. In this, it seems like he's totally happy to just sit on that couch and go to sleep and fuddle around on the TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that happens to a lot of men, though. Like when they get older, but Steve like, is like. No, they're playing my man Steve like he's 90. Also? He's 50 and, by the way, looks Amazing. (laughs) Like, Steve has never looked better. I can't understand the goddamn thing he's saying in his marble mouth. Oh, God. Can you do it? I know. Now it's like, now he's surpassed even my parody of his original voice. And it's reached a level that, like, I don't even have the acting skills I need subtitles when he speaks. I'm like the Chia's and Boyle. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> when he's like, Chia's and Boyle. Yeah. He sounds like a Muppet. Like, he sounds just like his mom. <laughs> no, even she was not this wild. She did enunciate a little bit more. This is, it, it, it makes no sense, but he seems, he seems perfectly happy to just make ice cream. Yeah. And, he's or not so make content. it, I guess, just he's eat so ice cream happy. and watch TV. Although he didn't seem to want to watch that Swedish show. Yeah. I think he, Steve is a CBS 30 minute kind of guy. He likes oh, it. He's he watching needs... like, or you know what? I bet Steve likes This Is Us. Oh my God. Steve loves This Is Us. And he cries at every episode. And Miranda's <laughs> he like, was there really he goes sad again. Much like my neighbors, Miranda's like, there he goes again. There he goes. So that was one of the funniest moments of my entire life is when you told me that story. It's just interesting, and maybe we're going to get to a point where we reveal that Steve is not okay being in this sexless rut. But as it's being presented to us now, through not only Miranda telling us that, but what we saw while they are eating their ice cream, 
He's like ha- totally happy. I thought, no, this is the life that Carrie was not wanting in the second movie. When she was yes. like, don't you bring no TV in this bedroom, was I don't want to sit on a couch. By the way, there's no room on that couch for Miranda. I think they're sitting on two different couches also. Because Steve so was too. laid the fuck up. <laughs> he had his feet up. He was comfortable. My man was looking good and comfy. And he's just keeping it right and tight. I don't know what's wrong with Miranda. I was so mad at her. I was like, you get on top of him right now. And God knows you your son doesn't Right him, cowboy. <laughs> Also, it's probably really weird for them because they're not having sex and haven't in, as we know, years. And Brady is getting it left and right. Yeah. Brady is the new Samantha. Who knew? I thought it was going to be Nicole Ari Parker. I didn't know it would be Brady. (laughs) Um, I do want to say that right in the Starbucks, we all, Charlotte and Miranda are hanging out. Miranda says, we're more like roommates, which totally hit one of my notes when they were eating ice cream, in which I just wrote... What is going on? This is some kind of fucked up Will and Grace. (laughs) And then now thinking on the totality of the storyline in this episode where we see Miranda have a very explicit queer romantic moment. Is this a reverse Will and Grace? We've got this woman, gay woman, straight man sitting at home. (laughs) What's happening? And they're just roommates. What a fun little trope they'll have. And I'm like, isn't this how Will and Grace ended? With the two of them living together in a big house with a kid? I didn't, I don't know. I didn't watch that. I don't want this for them. I hope Steve and LT Dubs get together. Oh, that would be good. Or like (laughs) Steve and the Professor. Oh, no, she's married. Also was LT Dubs. Never mind. Yeah, no. Someone's going to have to get a divorce for Steve. Yeah. (laughs) Or um, what was his girlfriend's name in the last season? Lucy? Lucy? Babs? Babs? Anna? Unclear. She was a queen, and let's get her back on the show. Yeah. Have him fuck Amelita Amalfi, please. On it. Well, you know they probably have. You know who, if they were to introduce Steve, a new love interest, in, like, season two? You know who I'd love to play her? Who? Do you know the actress Anna Ortiz? She was on Ugly Betty. I love her. And she's also on that, she's on the, it's not Love, Simon, but it's Love something, Love, Victor, I think, on Hulu. Yes. I would love to see Anna Ortiz bounce she's through. She's so fucking amazing. She's and so funny. funny, so gorgeous. And I think she and Steve could really pal around. Yeah, I think so too. I'll be sliding um, into her DMs and suggesting she put herself out there. <laughs> so, what did you think of Miranda's interest in Che? I was so turned on by this. At the end? It's I one was, of, honestly, so I thought one of the on most romantic Jay. things that the show's ever done. The way it froze and then the music. I was like, they have, I haven't seen anything this explicitly romantic since Steve and Miranda in the Rain. It was almost a balance to that of like, we've yeah. got to create like a moment. A moment. I have to just say. Uh-oh. I am so attracted to Shay. I mean, look, will they ever be anyone other to, than Callie to me? No. Really? I can't I don't even see like them see, as anyone. I can't I don't see. Even I can't, but I think I'm a bigger Grays fan than you. And I know. You actually, are. I don't think I know. Yeah. Die Hard, um, still watching. <laughs> Every Thursday. It's tough. Uh, <laughs> I just love this character. I am. Obs- I'm actually obsessed. I think they're the best character. Like the new one. Oh, you know I'm a Dr. Nia Wallace. Oh, Stan. Obsessive. Of course. I want more. Obviously, I was actually really disappointed that Dr. Nia Wallace and LT Dubs weren't in this episode. I yeah. was like, where are they? Yeah. But I, I do enjoy Che as a character. Their stand-up special it went a beat too long for me. I felt like it was the real thing. Yeah, I felt I like, like, are we going to wow. watch this in real? I was like, did I open up Netflix and now I'm watching this? Like, we're <laughs> really felt, in this. <laughs> no, I, I felt like, the exact same way. I was like, we're still in it. We're st- Okay, we're still in it. We're still yeah. in it. Oh, wow, we're not even cutting to the women in the audience anymore. We're just watching this special. Yeah. But I thought that Sada Ramirez did a really good job of portraying someone who, like, a comedian. Like, I feel like I've watched a few stand-up specials. I don't really like stand-up. I think it's disgusting. I love stand-up. People standing up in front of people trying to be cute. It's like, sit the fuck down. Like, no one thinks you're funny. But it was believable. But it was. I think they did a great job at portraying the kind of, also the pattern of Mm stand-up. The one thing I do think is kind of funny about Che as a character in the writing, go back and watch their first scene with Carrie. Che has the exact same intonation as Mrs. Maisel. 
Like when they're talking about the zingers. Oh, if I'd known you were going to say that, I would have done something to the zingers. It's like, it's written this clearly Jewish comedian. It's this, I'm like, this is not the identity of this person. It's like Michael Patrick King and Amy Sherman Palladino when they're writing someone being funny. It's the same kind of like, da 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 I was like, this is like very weird. I was like, Mrs. Maisel just dropped in. Yeah. And I'd love to see her bob around. What a world. There has been such a conversation, right, in this whole, I was going to say last month, but it's been a week since we last saw (laughs) the two episodes, about what people like and don't like. They feel that these additions to the show are very forced. However, I do want to make a point that in my memory, there have been audiences watching Sex and the City who have read Miranda is gay for a very long time. And I think that even predates Cynthia Nixon coming out. And I did wonder, like, I bet there are people who are really happy to see this happening, like that there is an audience of queer women who have watched Sex and the City and loved it and have wanted their own visibility in the show. And that goes beyond that time they made Samantha a lesbian. Not that I don't love Sonia Braga in that storyline. I think she's so funny, but that storyline is wild. And so I just thought that as much as like, right, I'm coming to this and I'm so happy to see like Black women on this show that aren't working for Carrie and being given an ugly purse, I bet that there are audiences who are very happy to see a character they love having an experience that is much closer to them. So I just want to make sure that we're as delicate in talking about this, because I think also it could happen, and it has happened in life, that women and men and gender nonconforming people change and come out later in life after recognizing and having experiences that change them. And Miranda just seems to be having a lot of experiences right now. I just think that there's a and level of misogyny that comes into play when it comes to women exploring their sexuality when they're older. Especially, like, and also this idea, it's very taboo for women to talk about being alcoholics. Because when you think of an alcoholic... Well, I'd argue I think it's taboo for anyone to talk about being an alcoholic. No, I mean, like, but when you, people are portrayed as alcoholics, they're mm-hmm. mostly men who, like, drink beer all the time and, like, they're ripping shots of whiskey and, like, that's... You ne- you rarely I, I get see what you women. Mean, that it's it's different to see it like oh we're drinking wine a lot like the way it would be portrayed and even taken on by the culture right mm-hmm. because we assign men beer hard liquor women wine and like cosmos yeah. and it's it's so those are drinks it's you think prettier. of as drinking when you're an alcoholic it's like right. oh yeah wine you can drink that and i thought that was why it's interesting that charlotte says and yeah she had two glasses of wine before we went to the show which i was like well bitch calm down but yeah but i think piled with the vodka yeah backpack it's a little different but this show has always had i think a cavalier relationship with alcohol like the way that they drink is it's always seen as a part of the aspirational nature of the show the idea that they spend time with their girlfriends and go out for cosmopolitans or flirtinis and although and it's rare that you really see them sloshed and drunk but just casual drinking is a big part of the culture of this show and by the way the culture in america and this show actually i think is a big turning point for that on television the more and more i've gone back and watched shows in like the 90s over the pandemic it's like they're always in like coffee shops or like they left a coffee shop or just like on the street. Then all of a sudden, it's like, could you imagine characters now having a conversation in a coffee shop? No, they would be at a bar or at someone's home opening a bottle of wine. And I think it's just shifted how we tell stories. I mean, that was literally, a, there was a whole, Cougar Town is a whole show based off of drinking. This is, I think, looking at the realities of what is almost, was originally frothy and fun in the original show. It's like, well... If we continued that forever, perhaps there would become a problem. Yeah. So I think in some ways it's as much a reaction and reframing of the original show as much as they are by adding characters or having Big Die. They are taking something we thought of as fun or 
wasn't there and saying, we have to take this seriously now. Well, yeah. And I mean, I've talked about it before, but I have like a, I take issue with the wine mom culture as a whole. And so when I saw Miranda like bring out the bottle of wine at a fucking piano recital, I was like, that, like, it's just looked at so differently. Could you imagine if Steve like brought out like a 40 and was like drinking it? It would be so different. It's so I'm well, glad that this is being right. I'm glad that this is like being talked about. And I, I think people are uncomfortable with it because they see themselves maybe in Miranda, like someone who has to have two glasses of wine or like brings bottles of wine to, I mean, I remember talking about this on my Instagram and I had, I'm not joking. I've never gotten more people in my DMs. They were like, I don't even have mom friends anymore because they drink an entire bottle of wine at like play dates. Like it's weird. So I'm just glad that like this is being touched on because like women do struggle with alcoholism, but it's just prettier and looks better and packaged nicer than a man, you know, drinking a 40 out of a paper bag. Absolutely. But the only thing I will say is, is that I think this is clearly us moving into the place in which we're having, we are telling a story about alcoholism. I think that it also could be a story. And this is where I think like, and I would argue that you could do a better job of having a conversation about perhaps changing your relationship to alcohol that is not alcoholism. Okay. And and that those can be two separate conversations. And look, we don't know yet. I think that like neither of us being doctors, I know everyone being shocked to hear that. <laughs> I don't know who gets to determine who's an alcoholic. Like, I, I don't know if that's a self-determining thing or mm-hmm. who decides that and what the parameters are. But certainly okay. we can see right now that there is a bad relationship to alcohol with Miranda right now like now what we haven't seen is her necessarily hiding her drinking which I think would be a clearer sign of it she isn't hiding the fact that she has Tito's in her bag in fact she hands her bag and says look in here to the like we haven't seen her hiding it she's drinking in front of her friends at lunch Mm -hmm. yes she has empty Tito's little guys in her bag but it's not like we saw her stuffing them in there right before like the women came in so I just think that there's nuance and that it's important to be as kind when talking about this because that there are people who really do struggle with alcoholism and also with just alcohol in general, which can be very different, I think, ensuring that they change their relationship to it in the same way we all have relationships to food that can be really harmful. That's all. We just want to be sensitive. Should we talk about Carrie? Wait, 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 wait. What are your feelings on her and Che? I think that my feelings on it are so colored by my desire for everyone to watch this and get something from it. Mm -hmm. And so if there are audiences who have felt connected to Miranda and want a queer Miranda, I think that's a really strong way to go. I think to your point that it is realistic and it does happen that people come out later in life. So I'm not one of those people who's also saying oh, this is unrealistic. We've known Miranda to love men. She loves Steve. So what's going on here? I thought the moment was very intimate and romantic and sexy. I'm not sure I quite get the pull between them, two of them yet. Mm-hmm. And by the way, neither does Che. <laughs> I think Che's like, hey. I don't think calm. anyone does. Che says to Miranda, calm down. <laughs> like, yeah. Chill. Like, you need to relax. <laughs> um, so we'll see. I'm interested in it. I'm just not sure I'm sold on it yet. And of course, it's been one episode, although, you know, the, <laughs> this has been previously a show that they can introduce a character in one episode and we're like, okay, great. Like, for example, Steve's introduction. And we were like, great, he'll be around for years. Feels lived in a character we want to meet and be with for a very long time. So... I'm open, but I'm not necessarily bought in yet. Gotcha. Okay. But, I, you know, Miranda and Callie Torres hanging, absolutely, I'm in. I was just excited to see, like, romance on the show. Because, like, obviously the first two episodes, like, we weren't getting that. Yeah. Because, you know, he died. So it was just kind of nice to see, like, some love blossoming, possibly. It is also, right, so we've gotten the other two new characters are in established relationships who are married. So Che is the one, and now obviously Carrie, the 
two single people we have to tell stories through. Um, not that right, you can't have romance and date in your marriage, but it's we have not introduced like a single gal really, right? Because yeah. Che hasn't even been introduced to someone who is looking for love, right? Che could. Be in che a relationship. Could be in a rela- yeah, that's true. We don't have a sense of Che's personal life quite mm-hmm. yet, other than the fact that they are a comedian. But I appreciate the restraint of the show to not simply introduce another single person who we can watch date. I do think that's coming with our real estate agent next week. Yes. And I look forward to that. Another queen. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we get into Carrie? Yes. So she's back at work. And I can't remember if you said this to me. Or if I heard it somewhere or I made it up, did you think that she and the podcast producer were going to get together? I sure did. So they do share a quick moment here. And he looked so good. He's gorgeous. But like, I was like, Brian never chimes in and just talks on this. (laughs) It's like, like, tamp down, buddy. He's like, nice one, Carrie. Yeah. I'm like, we don't need to hear from everybody, sir. Ugh, it's just that quick flash to him. I love him, but I'm he isn't the guy we're going to see her with later that we think we know. But I'd love to see Carrie date multiple men so she can, you know, pal around with him for an episode. But we've only got 10. And we still got to get Aiden. And I heard yesterday Burger's coming back. Did you know this? What? I think... Oh, Burger? Fuck, I should really write down where I get my information. You really need to put in some oh, sourcing. Oh, it was on Les Culturistas. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, because they were doing an and just like that roundup. Now, look, did they mean Aiden? But they said that they knew that Berger was coming back and that they thought that what if he was in the game? And I almost like jumped out of the Uber I was in. That just made me like sick. So we've got to deal. We got to get through hot producer, new guy, and Aiden appearance, and Berger. We only have seven more episodes. She's going to be running through men. Good for her. I know. I was happy to see her kind of trying to work and getting through things. Mm-hmm. But then we go to Big's will reading. Oh my god! I loved that. I loved this scene. Chris, can I just say that my first thought was, even after death, he's still running Carrie Ragged. <laughs> Ragged. First of all, I do not consider Big a theater lover, so the fact that he's leaving a gift to the New York Public Theater, it's like, the fuck is going on? We're really just throwing things out. This is not my man. I mean, she doesn't know who Big is anymore. She discovers so many things about him post-death. We get the reveal that he's leaving a million dollars to Natasha, and this really leads Carrie to question her whole relationship with Big. Like, I feel... She's going crazy. I did love when she's rummaging around the home. It's like a direct parallel to when she was left at Tweety Bird's apartment. That motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Now, I want to talk about one thing in particular here. Okay. When she finds in Big's coat a phone number, then she goes to call it and discovers it is, in fact, her home phone. I thought, first, why the fuck do these people even have a landline? Second of all, does she not know her own phone number? Third, Third of all, does he? Does he? Like, it was like, <laughs> this was such a wild... I was like, okay, I get it as a visual joke, LOLs. Right. It was her number. But I was like, if you think about this joke for one second, both <laughs> of them are idiots. Idiots. And also, she couldn't figure out what charger to plug his phone into. First of all, I it was, was like, two chargers. Carrie. He seemed to have one that was an iPhone charger and one for like Android phones. The fact that it didn't work in either, I was like, what is going on? We should be really concerned about Big. I'm concerned about everything. And then he had a secret dog. He's going to Pinkberry. It was making me laugh. But the one thing I do want to say in taking kind of seriously this storyline, I genuinely love the idea and execution of this as death as a breakup. That she's, right? That she's spiraling in the way she would when at post their breakups. And I think the show is really pointing to that idea really heavily that, she still does not know this man after all of these years. What did you think of her stalking Natasha? I was obsessed with it. It was so funny because it was so Carrie. It was so dizzy Carrie. It was so early seasons Carrie of her just like literally losing her fucking mind, stalking him at church with his mom, like trying to get Natasha, approaches her at lunch in that fucking newspaper dress. And you know, I hate that so much. I just loved it. And I love that Natasha is just a petty bitch and is like, I'll block you. I don't give a fuck. I'll tell you I'm in Rome and I'm not. 
I think when you look at the kind of whole of the episode, I wouldn't consider Natasha petty. I would consider her the only you sane don't? person in the I would consider her the only sane person in this episode. I'm sorry. No. I think why I in I think God's she's petty. why on God's green earth would she want to speak to someone who has shown up to her work? Just get unexpected, over it. Who is the woman who cheated? Like, this is nuts. Like, I too would have been like, and I like that she doesn't say I'm in a meeting. She said, tell her I am in Rome so that she yeah. would leave. Like, my first instinct was like, oh, she sort of said a meeting because they know she's there. And then I was like, no, because this is an insane woman who is truly in a blacked out car with her <laughs> friends, like acting. <laughs> this was like giving me such like, I'm not since Roman sent his dick to his dad. Have I been like, I don't like what I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I thought it was petty. I think. Natasha's lame. No. I mean, I first of all, she looks great. She I looks love the amazing. slow-mo they put on her as she was entering. They see Carrie from the window. Now, that was making me laugh. Natasha yeah. seeing them in their reactions. That yeah. was amazing. Well, then Natasha seeing them and being like, oh, fuck. Yeah. and I But I love the fact that then... And then Carrie's wandering down the street talking to herself like fucking... Marv and Home it. Alone, just like Carrie's <laughs> losing it because she had she's now like struck with the PTSD of the feeling of the insecurity, and I love I can I tell you I loved that she verbalized this that she was like I was so insecure when we were early on in our relationship I was desperate I was all of these things and now I feel that way again and I was like thank you for finally saying that <laughs> I think she said it before. Has she? Yeah, I think we'll get that, that actually way? in the second half of season two after their breakup. Okay. Um, but you don't think, I'm really annoyed by this. You don't think that Natasha's petty for after 20 years and this woman's husband just died and he left you a million dollars. You don't think that you could just like take a phone call? No, with her? I don't think you owe anyone who ruined your marriage anything yeah but if you it's 20 years let it, it go. does not clearly, matter they're not that's friends silly. i would i would get over it this isn't like they're they were close friends and she had that she she does not oh by the way if this was a stranger who showed up to her work i wouldn't come out like this is not wow she has boundaries i think natasha I is a queen <laughs> and frankly i would watch beige in the city and it was just her I literally don't have boundaries, so... She said, no, I'm not doing this. And then Carrie is being such a weirdo. Oh, shout out to Byram, who our former guest we saw in this shout episode. Out. Yes! So they're walking down the street. We see her in the Forever 21 moment. Finally, I'm glad we knocked this out and we don't have to see it again. And she opens the bathroom door. Now, Natasha could have locked the door, I will say. Yeah. While it's like, I knew it was coming... <laughs> I didn't. And I was like, uh-oh. Like, yeah. the minute she went to open the door, I was like, oh, Natasha's in there. Really? Yeah. Because I was like, well, there's no reason for us to watch Carrie go to the bathroom. There's genuinely, there are just certain things you set up for them to set up. I have to use the bathroom. It's like, okay, well, she's going to run it, go into the bathroom. Now, what I didn't expect is I thought she'd go into, like, a larger bathroom and then Natasha would, like, open a stall. Right. I didn't think she was going to just open the door and there she'd be, like, just Pink. pissing cleaning <laughs> yeah but they come out i think that natasha is so gen i think there is where i would say she's not petty at all she's so generous to carrie to turn around to you know if she just walked exactly. past her which is absolutely what i would have done because i don't owe this crazy woman who's stalking me and has found out where i live i listen i said carrie is crazy but i, also <laughs> I mean this natasha is not but then you're like dumb. but natasha should have been nice to her she's truly her joe goldberg like all carrie needed was a blue cap and a knife <laughs> All I'm saying is Natasha, because she was so kind to Carrie eventually in the episode, she gave her ice for her hand out of yes, her Yes, that's cup. a nice thing to do. So it's that's not what petty. I mean. I'm saying, but now she's being nice. I don't nice, think we've so ever like argued like this. <laughs> Usually I feel like we just let things go and I feel like I'm really upset at you. I'm really upset at you. I, mean, I just think, like, this could have, I mean, but for the sake of the story, like, obviously, she couldn't just be like, hey, Carrie, I'll answer your DM on Instagram about your husband's will. Like, I obviously instantly, not. I have blocked bitches for less. I just don't operate that way. I bet Natasha's a Sagittarius. Clear and clear boundaries. <laughs> She's not playing around. I mean, I just think, like, this all could have been avoided 
if you just would have took the call, if she would have just taken I'm not the even I would have blocked her email. I also would have blocked her on Instagram. I would have blocked her number. Yeah. I love that Natasha said, I don't want the money. I Oh, I loved that. And I think ultimately when she sees the poor woman there, haggard, talking to herself, burn on her hand <laughs> in this fucking peasant dress, she's like, oh my God, this girl is down bad. So she goes from having boundaries to like, fine, I'll give her a moment of kindness. And I appreciate that within her kindness, she does not give up anything of herself. She doesn't overshare. The only thing we have a sense of is that she has two kids and that her name is, although I guess I... I never knew her name before. Yes, what I'm thinking of is what they used to call her was um, another Natasha's name, Najinsky or something. So that's not her last name. So I don't, we can maybe presume she is married, but we don't really know. And, you know, I mean, she slams her when she says classic John, always a puzzle. But I died. True. No, it's true. I Can I just make this clear? I felt bad for her in the early seasons, like when the whole affair was happening, when she busted her tooth open. All I'm saying is, is like, it's been 20 years. This woman's husband died. She's clearly like, why is he leaving you a million dollars? Like, I would want to know. It was honestly No, she like, didn't want to know. Do you know what Natasha did? She got the news that Big had left her a million dollars. She said, I don't want the money. You know what she didn't do? She didn't reach out to Carrie, beg her to tell her. She is sane. She has sense. She's a queen. I truly think the scene between Natasha and Carrie is like a scene between you and I. I, I have never been so ragged. angry. We why? have to move on. You're angry about this? Yes. <laughs> I don't understand how you could call this woman petty. I think it's petty to not have a discussion with this widow after 20 years. Like, get over it. She could go talk to her drunk friend or the one she hates. Okay. We can move on. Just take a breath. (sighs) All right. So Carrie's also not sleeping or eating in her apartment. And I think that this is basically to set up right that she's where the next episode we're going to meet the realtor. And she's going to begin to the process of selling the apartment, but she's decides at the very end to walk home. What did you think of this kind of, and just like that, which I, by the way, I wrote, and just like that, we're home. And then the episode literally said that. And I was like, okay, check. We're not being very creative today, are we, Michael Patrick King? I liked it. I thought it was cute. I thought it was a good way to like tie things up and get it ready for the next episode. Same. I thought it was a nice ending, if not a little expected. I wish we had maybe just ended with her sitting in the coffee shop with Natasha. I hated her shoes. Yeah, let's They're talk like about platforms. that in terms of fashion. Okay, let's talk. So, I mean, just to talk about the two things I liked before we get into it. Well, obviously, Miranda's jumpsuit I thought was amazing that she wears to the comedy show. But I really was into her purple plaid and high-waisted white pants. That was like my favorite look, I think, of the three episodes so far. What did you like? I really loved that outfit a lot. When I said, I think I texted you and I was like, Miranda looks amazing. And then I loved Natasha's like silk, like blouse with the flat sandals. When look. she's going I just thought into it was work. Cute. Yeah. I really yeah, loved that. And I, in, right, I like the return to her in her white, the classic Natasha white dress. Yes. Now, I think what we're really going to have to suffer through this next few weeks is what I'm going to deem the Widow Bradshaw looks. Oh, the tough ones. Yeah. So, Ray, we talked about this in the last episode, that Sarah Jessica Parker said it would be hard for her to talk about the fashion on the show until you know what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think she's think like that we're in a original carry. Now we're in Widow Bradshaw phase, and we're going to come out. A lot of maxi dresses. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it through the Widow fashion, because if I have to see another chunky heel... I was sick over those. Just put some fucking flats on yeah, and a Adidas tracksuit. So I, I can't. They were so bad. I was like, and I know it's the point, but it's like, is it? If you saw someone dressed this way, you would be concerned. I do. Okay, so the the controversial Forever Twenty One dress. It's not the dress itself. It's how it's styled. Right. I didn't hate it. Uh, like moving. Like I. It looked. It looked crazy. Oh, I thought it looked but worse I didn't moving. Hate it. Oh, I thought seeing it in photo. In the I, I was like, in was photo, worse. I was like, she looks sloppy and disheveled. But then when it was moving, I was like, oh, she's really sloppy and disheveled. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I the fashions are just for Carrie are just a big old mess. I think we're in we're in the what 
to be kind, I'm going to call it the Widow Bradshaw. Yeah. This is, she's going through something. Carrie's always been someone who dressed emotionally. So I think maybe it's almost like she's putting on armor. Mm -hmm. But. Wow, that's deep. I couldn't do it. Oh, man. Really quick. Yeah. You know, I hate I hate the comedian that's on her podcast. I really don't. I could really go for that character going the fuck away. Just get away from He's me. He's making me sick. I didn't even actually list him as one of the men as an option. We've got Stanford this episode, Anthony. We've got the hot podcast producer who I believe has a name, but I didn't have the energy to look up. I don't and know his name yet either. I think I heard it and was like, I don't really care. And then, of course, we've got Harry who's peeing. Oh, King. So for me, I'm actually going to go with Anthony. I thought he looked super cute, even though I was annoyed by his bakery stuff. My One of my favorite scenes in the episode was him and Charlotte. I thought that was a great scene. And he's looking good, Mario Cantone. He's keeping he it is tight. looking really good. I I just had a... Um, I'll save that for later, actually. But the hottest man to me in this episode was obviously Steve. Oh, fuck. I didn't even list Steve. Okay, I'm taking back Anthony, and I'm going to make it Steve also. <laughs> He looked so good on that couch, eating his little ice cream, streaming. He really did. But I'm, and even when he was like napping like an old doddering man, they're playing him like, I just don't care for this characterization, but it is making me laugh. But it's paired with like how hot he looks. I think I feel about this version of Steve and David Eigenberg the way I think most people when they're watching Beverly Hills think of Harry Hamlin. Totally. He is Where I look at Harry Hamlin, I'm like, that doddering old foolish man. This is like everyone's taking their panties off. Now I'm seeing Steve and I'm like, got it. This is how you all feel about Harry. Right. Yeah. No, Steve looks like a snack. So I did want to just do something a little new, which is I couldn't help but wonder what's going to happen on the next one. Because we have new story. What do you want to see? What do you think is going to happen in the next app? So I have a couple theories. My theory would be that... The producer is, like, the first guy Carrie, like, attempts to have sex with after Big and, like, cries. Do you think we would already be there in episode four? I mean, we don't have many left. I'm not saying episode four, but maybe, like, episode five. And then my second theory is when she goes into the apartment because Stanford was staying there a lot, that she'll, like, find shit of Stanford's. Like, an affair or, like, something. Oh, that would make me sad, but maybe not an affair, but like she'll fi- like he'll like rearrange her apartment and it like looks crazy or something yeah. like funny. I that would be a nice way to keep Stanford in the next episode. Yeah, but I do know that she does get like remember she has like the gloves on and stuff, so maybe he's like a mess, like he's squatting in her apartment. <laughs> well, she's wearing gloves, and we saw that again this episode. She puts them on before she presses an elevator button, so Carrie is very COVID safe still. I think that we need to explore more, obviously, with LT Dubs and Dr. Nia Wallace. And so I imagine, at least in the next episode, if they're reintroduced, I think Miranda and Dr. Nia Wallace need to have a conversation about her IVF. I think that we need to circle back to a kind of conversation about motherhood, which I think is where Miranda's going, and maybe that'll help her recognize that she doesn't need to stay in this marriage with Steve and keep this heterosexual identity to also have her feelings of motherhood. Yeah. And then with Carrie, I'm ready to see her date oddly. I know it's only been one episode, but I'm like, let's do it. We let's only do have it. 10. I mean, she's moving on pretty, pretty darn quick. But honestly, I don't want to see her date during The Widow. She's got to get out of those clothes if she's going to go on a date, which we know is coming because we've seen some of the outfits. What would you give this one out of 10? I would give it an eight and a half. Wow. I would give it a seven. Oh, okay. I I mean, I really liked it, but I am finding Charlotte's internal storyline and it not being so explicit kind of odd because we have more time and one less central character. Yeah. So it's like we need to beef up Charlotte a bit more because these episodes are longer and there's no Samantha. Yeah, and I right need now them I feel to, like, like she's... dig a little deeper with Charlotte. Yeah, and she deserves it. But I also think maybe her story is just so hard to dramatize. Because if you're not going to make her unhappy in her marriage, and we're going to go the route of, like, she's totally fine with her kids exploring and everything, their identity, 
then it's hard to make that a dramatic storyline. But I do hope that we get to a place where we find out Lily's up to stuff. I don't want Lily to just be a goody two-shoes. Well, and I want something to happen, some resolution or something to happen with Charlotte and Carrie. Because, like, something's going on there. Like, I thought the way Carrie handled Charlotte trying to talk about Miranda's, like, drinking was Yeah, we didn't really talk about that scene in depth, but it was really, really tough to watch. It was tough to watch Carrie dismiss Charlotte's legitimate concerns. But again, I think it's very honest, right? Because if you think of them as a triangle, Miranda and Carrie are at the bottom close to one another. And of course, right, you have this almost of an outsider friend coming in and trying to attack your friend, which I think most people would say, like, saying someone has a drinking problem is a bit of an attack. It's You wouldn't take it the first time you hear it about a friend as the truth, um, unless you noticed it also. Yeah, and I thought Carrie, she just came off so poorly in that scene when she's like, oh, maybe she was having a little party in her purse. It's like, I know that's not like, the right way to take that. No, if someone told me that my friend was keeping three empty bottles of Tito's in their backpack, I would be like, what? Also, you live in New York, just throw them out in like a trash can. I, I was weird. That's kind of a sad ending. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> really ended it on a downer. Yeah, that's like the most downer ending we've yeah, ever had. Yeah, we were like, well... Well, throw we'll your Tito's bottles in the trash on the street and... Um... See you guys next week! <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week on Wednesday covering the season two episode, Evolution, and then on Friday to discuss the fourth episode of In Just Like That, Some of My Best Friends. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Shortcomings wherever you listen to podcasts, and check out the other podcasts from The Dip, TV Watch Repeat, Pop Chaser, But Now We Said It, and of course, Hot Off The Mess. And you can follow us online. I'm at clewis1219 on Instagram. Sam, where are you? I'm at Brava Historian on Instagram and at Teachers Watch on Twitter. All right. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.